The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I got to tell you, viewers and listeners, I'm in a real good mood today. I am feeling so, so good on this Wednesday night as we record this because I just got so many things to smile about. Let me just let me just count the ways that I'm feeling so good. First of all, gotta wish a happy birthday to Break the Business co-host Zach Sloan. It's his birthday every day uh, today, and he's one of the nicest people you're ever going to find on Twitter. So go go talk to him on Twitter and wish one of our favorite co-hosts a happy birthday. He did a great job last week on our episode interviewing Congressman Ted Deutsch. That was a lot of fun, and we are wishing him all the best. We're going to see him real soon in a subsequent episode because uh, we love that guy. And we can't get enough of him. Also, just in a good mood because I just found out the other day a little personal news for me. Two of my former students, because I teach a college class at Doral College— Two of my former students, I find out yesterday, got in to Harvard Law School. So just mind blown. So, so cool. They're, the kids are super smart. I mean, kids, everybody's a kid to me now. I, I still remember them as little students, but now they're grownups. They're in Harvard Law as their teacher. I am so, so proud. So, yeah, I'm in a good mood for a great many reasons. And I want to tell you about the third reason why I'm in a good mood. And I'm going to bring that reason out right now. Our co-host this week, happy to be chatting with her, Katie Zaccardi's back, everybody. Hey! Hey, Katie. Long time no see. You have been missed. We have missed your insight. We've missed the smile on your face. How have you been, Katie? I have been good. I've missed you guys, too. And since I was last here, I spent a month in Paris, traveled to Wisconsin, L.A., and then moved to Nashville. So I've been a little bit busy, <laughs> but I have very much missed you guys, and I'm excited to be back. I kind of want to break down your travels a bit, because, yeah, you did. Sure. I think the last time, what was the last time you were on this show? September? I guess it was August, because September I was in Paris for the month. So right. it, it would have been before then. So it's been a minute. And yeah. but since you've been on the show, the first place you went, you said was Paris. What was that like? I've never been to Europe. That must be phenomenal. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So I actually studied abroad there when I was in college and I loved it. And during the pandemic, well, during the like lockdown portions of the pandemic, I should say, when we were all cooped up, I was just really needing a change of environment like many people. Um, but of course, wasn't able to travel. And then once we were, I was pretty set in stone that I wanted to travel back to Paris. And then it turned out that my sister actually decided to study there for the whole year. So it ended up working out that I could kind of bring her over, help her get settled and just spend the month. I can work from anywhere, luckily. So <laughs> that's why I do what I do. <laughs> but um, it, very, it was amazing because I just got, well, I got an Airbnb for the month, but then there was mold like all over it. So oh, I no. then got a hotel <laughs> um, for the month and it was, it was the best thing like ever, truly. I, I love it so much. I almost moved there. I was very close 
but then I decided not to because it was just going to be like way more work than I was willing to do right now. Um, so yeah, that was the Paris scoop. <laughs> I love it. So you did Paris, then you, you came back to the U.S. of A., and now you settled in Nashville, which I mm -hmm. love. I have heard so many stories about musicians fighting their way to Nashville. And not just, I mean, when you think of Nashville, I think the conventional wisdom is, oh, country music and, and boots yeah. and cowboy hats. And certainly that's there. But Nashville has really become a place where a diverse array of music is happening. A lot of really cool different cultures coming together and really creating a great art scene. So it makes perfect sense for me that somebody like you a musician, a wellness expert, a coach is going to want to settle there to get into that community. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So like I said, when I got back from Paris, I was like itching to move. I lived in New York and I'm from New York and I love New York because I know there's a lot of people moving from New York now. And I feel like I always want to say, I love New York. It is always my home, but I just needed a change of environment. Like, you know, when you feel like you just need to switch up the energy and like try something new, that's basically how I was feeling. And I decided I wasn't going to go to Paris. And being a New Yorker, I admittedly am like very picky and a little bit <laughs> egotistical and judgmental. <laughs> but at least she's self-aware, right? Well, so I was... Those are never qualities we would ascribe to New Yorkers. <laughs> um, so... I lived in New York for three years. I can make New York jokes. I'm, I've been, I've been uh, grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah. Mm, well, no, I'm just kidding. Sort of. Kind of. <laughs> um, but... I was, I was a little picky. Like I, I don't really like LA, no offense. And I was thinking really hard, like where is a place that I think I'll enjoy being that I ideally know people. And that's also going to give me the type of environment that I want. And I'm really into like older architecture and like cute houses and, and, you know, being able to walk around and stuff like that. So really Nashville was like the only place that sort of checked all of those boxes for me. And I do know some people here. There's a ton of people in the music industry down here. And I love the community that I feel like New York really lacks. Like New York is so big that there's really not a music scene. <laughs> like there's really not like there's musicians playing, wow. but nobody goes out to bars just to catch live music. Like you'll only go to a show if you know who's playing. Whereas here, there's music everywhere and a lot of people are more willing to just go check out music, right? So I really love it for that reason. So for the indie creators out there who are maybe looking for a change of scenery, maybe you're in a different city, what might they consider if they want if uh if they're gonna decide on Nashville? Like what kind of creators do you think would be a great fit for Nashville? That's a good question. And I'm not gonna pretend I know all the things because I've only been here for two weeks. <laughs> obviously musicians, but I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people. Like I even just reached out to a Facebook group and I was like, I need some more photos for a new like program I'm launching and I want to update it. You know, I cut my hair. I need to get an update. And I had like 25 people be like, I'm a photographer. Yeah. Or I know this person. And so there seems to just be a lot of artistic people down here in general, um, which is very fun. Like the art scene and the music scene is just, vibrant that's a good word to, to use so i mean if you do art of any kind but especially music i think it's very fun i think you can live other places too though i know there's a lot of people moving here and it might seem like that it's you know you have to be here i don't think you have to be but hey if you want to come come join us 
<laughs> I, I can tell you, I've loved every trip to Nashville I've ever been on. I've stayed there for a short period of time. I've been there for a longer period of time. Every time I'm there, I just say to myself, why am I not here more often? This seems like a really cool artistic community. Yeah. Let us talk a little bit about our guest this week, not from Nashville, but from a obviously pretty cool entertainment city in its own right, Los Angeles. He's an L.A.-based indie pop artist. Rue is going to be joining us after the break. Really cool indie artist, going to have a great story to share. Before we bring him in, though... I found a story this week, Katie, that I really wanted to talk to you about. When I'm researching shows, I always try to keep my co-hosts in mind and be like, what's the stuff that I know they're going to love? And I came across a great article in HypeBot that just said, just screamed to me, you got to talk to Katie about this because of her expertise in mindfulness and wellness and, and really coaching musicians to just have better mental health. This is a great article that hits on those points. This was in HypeBot this past week. And it was an article by DIY Media Group CEO Tony Van Veen, friend of the show. We've had him on before. We had him on for the Break the Business Telethon a couple years back to help us raise money for musicians affected by COVID. Just an overall great dude. And he had a great article and video that came out this past week entitled, Are You Your Music's Own Worst Enemy? And if that's not a Katie headline right there, just speaking to the work that she does, <laughs> I don't know is uh, the article is about the importance of avoiding self-limiting beliefs when moving your creative empire forward. And one of the things that he harped on, Katie, that I thought was interesting was uh, expressing something that frustrates him when he tries to give advice to indie creators. He'll give them advice. He'll give them tips because he's, again, been in the game for decades, knows everything about how to build a successful indie creative career. And he gets frustrated because when he gives advice, he often hears his least favorite word which is the word can't. And yeah. I'll let Tony Van Veen talk about this a little bit in his video. Lauren, can you play the clip for us? Offer my advice to an artist. I get an answer like, well, I don't know. People won't like that. Or I, I don't really want to do that. Or some other reason why it won't work. You know, like, I can't ask people to buy my merch when I'm on stage. That's way too commercial. I can't offer someone a CD when I run into them on the street. They might not want it. I can't ask someone I just met at a conference for a referral to someone they know and I don't. They might just think I'm too pushy. I can't say this particular thing or that thing on social media. I might insult someone. I can't sell vinyl. My fans won't want to pay for it. I can't do a YouTube video. I'm not creative enough. I can't busk on Main Street. The cops might chase me away. I can't put up a tip jar. I can't wear my own merch. I can't. I can't. I can't. I won't. It won't work. But how do you know that you actually can't do these things and that they won't work? I mean, you may be embarrassed to try them, but usually, unless you've tried something, the reason you don't want to do things that could actually move your music career forward is mostly because of your own self-limiting beliefs. That's good. We all you. have a comfort zone. So really insightful stuff from Tony Van Veen. And I should just uh, preface this by saying he really is one of the great dudes of the indie music industry. I remember when we had him on the telethon, he was talking about how when the COVID pandemic started, he wanted to be part of the solution. So he actually uh, shut down the vinyl pressing in his factory, the vinyl pressing facility, and reconfigured his old factory to create face shields for frontline healthcare workers. So wow. 
Amazing dude. Yeah, we love him. And we should take his advice to heart about self-limiting beliefs. I would imagine, Katie, in your coaching practice, you have heard versions of this when you've talked to clients. You give them advice and they say, I can't do that. I can't do yeah. that. And what do you often talk to artists about when they come back to you with that dreaded four-letter word, can't? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's really funny because I was just talking, I was on TikTok live today with Tara Bruski, who's another amazing industry coach and she's a bit older. And we were talking about how a lot of musicians, I get this all the time on my TikToks and with my clients of like, it's so hard to be a musician now. Like I wish that it was just like the old days where we didn't have to do all this other stuff. And so her and I were talking about uh, that. <laughs> and yeah. that like, you still had to do a lot of work even before social media. Um, getting to the point though, she was saying how a lot of people in her generation often use technology as a block of like, I can't learn the technology. It's too hard. I can't do this. And I was saying, I feel like now it's really become, I mean, a lot of what we just heard in that video. Also, sometimes it just presents itself in, I am not business savvy. Like I just am only creative and I can't focus on the art. And I feel like there are a limiting they're limiting beliefs but they're also excuses and whatever that's kind of really it, what it is in a lot of ways right it is yeah and i think that people people do this they say this to themselves so they can protect themselves so it's almost like a protective mechanism so it's like if i say i'm not business savvy or if i say i won't do that thing or i can't do that thing then i can basically have an excuse to point to when i don't succeed or if i don't succeed and if that thing doesn't go the way I want it to, I can say, well, I'm just not business savvy. Well, I just can't do that stuff. Well, I just am not good at promoting myself on stage or, well, I just don't want to be sleazy and salesy. So of course I'm not going to get up on stage and talk about my merch or whatever it is. So they, they say these things to protect themselves because if you do fail, which is a very scary thing, then you have something you can point to because the idea of failing yeah. for a lot of people, it is scary. I mean, yeah, failing can be scary, but um, just like in the article, as he talks about, it's much better to try and to fail and to learn from that than it is to not try at all because other, you can't succeed without failing. Like literally to quote what he said, <laughs> I yeah. take no credit for that. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of limiting beliefs and it's, it makes sense why it's happening because your brain is trying to protect itself. You're trying to protect yourself. You don't want to fail naturally as a human, but ask yourself at what cost is that coming? Because it is coming at a cost and it's coming at a cost of probably not doing some great things that you should be doing or, or experimenting with just because it feels a little scary. <laughs> I see a comment there. Oh, Mary Amber. Very cool. Uh, love having <laughs> her join us. She's the best. She writes in best way to have good mental health as an artist work in anything else. <laughs> oh, that's a limiting belief. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, when I, when I, I read his article as saying something that we've said in different ways on this program before, which is artists need to have a different relationship with failure. And it's it's this idea, as you noted, Katie, that failure isn't failing in the sense yeah. that it means that, like, oh, it's not success. Failure is often the bridge to success. And Tony Van Veen talks in the article about how uh, something that creators often need to do if, uh, is uh, try multiple things, If you know, Try yeah. different things out. See what gets desired results. Try multiple email subject lines. Try different TikTok video concepts. Try different yeah. live stream intros. 
and do uh, like A-B testing. You try different things out. You see which one works best. It's a, you know, they do it in marketing a lot as well. It's like and, data. Yeah, exactly. And that way you don't have to see failure as, oh, no, I screwed up. But it's, oh, we're just, yeah. we're, we're working on finding the way that works. And and look, I want to say this to the to the viewers and listeners, because I feel like us talking about this is going to make it sound like we are the... Uh, media professionals on high who know this stuff and don't have this problem and we're just scolding everybody. Let me be perfectly clear. My whole career in podcasting is just one giant self-limiting belief. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've used the word can't when people yeah. have advice for me about my podcast. Oh, I don't have the time to learn how to promote. I don't have the time to book more guests. I have a busy legal practice. I'm not a trained entertainer, whatever it is. I do this too. So I'm learning from this article as you all are. So please don't feel yeah. like we're scolding you here. Totally. And there's one more thing I would love to add, which is that I think that sometimes as musicians, like you're the songwriter, you're the creator, you're the performer, and it feels super you focused. Like it's a way for you to express your feelings and your art. And that's great. Perfect. Fantastic. But when you continue with me, 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 thinking all the way down the line, you lose sight of the fact that when it comes to growing your career, that requires a fan base. When it comes to actually having success that you might want, it's not about you. It's not about you. In order to do that, other people have to resonate with what you're doing. Other people have to see themselves in you, connect with you. So when you can, one big switch that I've made and that I recommend to my clients is like start to change the perspective instead of thinking about like, I have to promote myself. I have to do this. I have to talk about this and it feels gross. Think about your ideal fan, that person who is dying to hear your music because they're going to feel seen, heard. They're going to, you know, party to it. It's going to give them whatever feeling it's going to give them. Think about them because they need to hear about your stuff. And the only way they're going to hear about it is if you talk about it. Or the only way they're going to see it is if you put yourself out there. So it's not about you. You're doing them a disservice if you don't step up and do the necessary actions needed to spread your message and to provide value to them. And so when you start to think about them and it being for them instead of you, it sometimes becomes a little bit easier to do those things that are uncomfortable because it doesn't feel so like egotistical. It's all about me. Like I failed if it doesn't go well. And this gets into what Tony Van Veen was talking about with this idea of comfort zone and getting yeah. out of your comfort zone. So whether it's trying something and risking failure or learning a new skill to help you move your career forward or taking artistic chances that you've never thought you could take, that's all about getting out of your comfort zone, which is a necessary prerequisite to furthering your own success as a creator. Do you have any additional tips that you like to give clients when trying to get them to take a big step to get out of their little bubble and to try something new, whether it's learning a new skill or taking a new creative chance somewhere? That's a really good question. I think that honestly, what I tell, cause I have to do this too. And I'll even say just in terms of like routines, I could be so business focused all the time. Sometimes I have to force myself go have fun, go try something new, go meet someone new. So even when talking to myself, I really just try to think about what could happen. And I, I feel like, especially as it relates to this article, it's really easy to go to the worst case scenario. If I do this, 
this is what could happen worst case scenario wise. <laughs> so instead of thinking about that, think about what could happen all of the good, all of the good things that could happen. So what are the positives that could happen? And there's unlimited, there's probably unlimited negative things, but there's also unlimited positive things and where you put your intention, where you put your energy and how you think about it and what you want out of it is what you'll get out of it. I'm obviously simplifying like the manifestation process and having the positive thinking and all that very, very much. But like really first step is just start to imagine what is the good that can come out of this. And that'll get you hyped up, hopefully. And when we talk about the, the, what bad could happen, right? The parade of horribles that you think will happen if you step out of your comfort zone What I often find, whether it's artists doing creative things or just people doing anything, is generally people are just very obsessed with themselves and don't really care what other people are doing. So, like, if you try something and you fail, people really won't point and laugh at you as much as you think because they don't care. (laughs) And so we tend to be really forgiving of people's missteps because most of us just aren't paying attention to you uh if it if it makes you feel any better so you know take some chances and try and fail and hopefully you will hit on something that we actually will pay attention to totally yeah i'm thinking of they just did a not remake but like a sort of spinoff of how i met your mother called how i met your father Starring Hillary Duff. Yeah, and good to see a, Hillary Duff back in the game. Huh? I know, That's exciting. I, love her. I used to listen to her CDs all the time. Uh, she's the best. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a recurring joke in that series that one of the characters proposed to his girlfriend like via song on stage at some music venue, and she said no, and then like he was so embarrassed and yada yada. And it just reminds me of that because every time I watch that and what they make that joke, I'm like this would never happen. Like, it's like he went viral and he's, he can't go anywhere. He's so embarrassed. <laughs> like, I, I think that sometimes that's what we think will happen is like, everyone will know my mistake or it'll be so bad or everyone's going to make fun of me. That, when has that ever actually happened yeah. in real life? It, at least recently, like, it's going to be okay. You have permission to mess up or try things or experiment with things. And it's going to turn out fine. Usually that worst case scenario, if you go all the way to the end of the line with the absolute worst case, it can usually at least end with, well, I learned this about that. And that's a win. That's still a win. Especially nowadays in our rinse, repeat, you know, hyper sped up internet pop culture that we have now where, you know, it's not even 15 minutes of fame. It's 15 seconds of fame. Yeah. If you do something that, everybody on the internet makes fun of you for they still forget forget a week later like (laughs) i remember last time we had you on like six months ago we were talking about that that girl who sang the cover of as the world caves caves in some people didn't like her harmony and you know a lot of negative tiktok publicity do you remember her name now i don't i don't even know her name at the time that's what i'm saying like (laughs) yeah yeah because you know we 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 moved on like six seconds after it happened much less six months from now so there's something to keep in mind when you're taking big swings and taking chances is you know our memories are short (laughs) yeah and even in her case i'm sure she actually did get a lot of fans and followers i bet like i'm she got a lot of views she could have made some money like who knows what happened i'm sure there were a lot of positives that came out of it too no question. All right. I, I do want to talk about a a bit of a carryover from last week's show, because last week, uh, Katie, we were talking about these NFT scam sites th- that have been in the news a lot lately. Uh, 
We were reporting on the platforms NFT Music Stream and Hit Piece, which have been accused of basically taking artists' copyrights, their music, their trademarks, their likenesses, posting it on their NFT websites without permission, saying, hey, we're going to make NFTs of this music, or you know, you can buy and sell NFTs of these people's music. Uh-oh. And the artists go, I didn't approve that. Yeah, that's <laughs> Why am good. I on your website? And it's really just exposing kind of the dark side of NFTs. And, you know, I came on the show saying, I think there's potential in NFTs. The, the person who made the theme song of this podcast, Jonathan Mann, is doing really cool stuff with NFTs right now. It's made him financially secure and has launched a whole other phase of his career. So there is potential with, in this space, but there's also a lot of scam artists. And I think a lot of artists now are afraid that their music could end up on one of these scam sites without their permission. And so I've gotten a few listener emails, Katie, that have said, what can I do to prevent this? What can I do to protect myself from their music being used? And it's given me an opportunity to talk about something, a piece of advice that I think I probably give out at least once a month on this show. And I would say of any time in recent history and music, the rise of NFT scam sites makes adhering to this piece of advice all the more important. And that is register your copyrights. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If there was ever a time in recent memory where I have been more adamant about artists registering their copyrights, it is right now as we speak today, more than any other time in my legal career, I think artists' copyrights are more at risk because of uh, NFT scam sites. And remember that with copyright registration, uh, that's, you know, if you want real legal protection for your music, you got to register your copyrights. Uh, just a quick legal background here. You have a copyright in your music the moment you create your music or create any work of art. The moment that you record music into a recorder, you know, save it to your hard drive. The moment that you paint a painting on a canvas, write a short story on a piece of paper. From the moment you do those things, you now have a copyright with the protections of federal law. But if you want to protect that copyright, you need to register it with the government. If you don't register a copyright generally before somebody steals it, then you aren't entitled to a lot of the important legal damages that are actually going to protect you. You don't get statutory damages. You can't collect attorney's fees if you don't register your copyrights before infringement generally. And those are the types of damages that will actually make a lawyer want to take your case. So if you're really afraid of these NFT scam sites, register your copyrights. It's really easy to do. You go to copyright.gov. It's fairly step-by-step. Unlike a lot of things that are involved with working with the government, like filing your taxes, which can be very confusing, copyright registration often is a fairly simple process. But if you want help with it and you don't want to pay for a lawyer, there are services that can help you uh, kind of do like a step-by-step with the copyright registration. I recommend cosigned.com, C-O-S-Y-N-D.com. They do really good stuff with copyright registration and can help artists uh, you know, get their copyrights registered. It's only a little bit more expensive than just registering it yourself with the government, but if you need a little bit of help, they're there for you. And it's a great way to protect your copyrights from NFT scam artists. So something to consider, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to build off of the next step of that story. All right, uh, Katie. Uh, oh, sorry. Did you have something there? Or my apologies. No, I was just going to say that was brilliant, and I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> It's, it's, it's super That's duper super important. Helpful. Yeah, it is. All right. We're going to take a very quick break and uh, we'll be back here on Break the Business. Uh, do not go anywhere.
Brian Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. We are on Facebook Live, Twitch, Twitter Live, Sirius XM 145, Go Slam Radio, and on all major podcast platforms, wherever you're checking us out. We are so, so happy to have you here. Ryan Carella joined with Katie Zaccardi. Uh, we are still waiting on Rue. I don't, we, we have lost Rue, but <laughs> the moment that we find Rue, we will have him joining us. But in the meantime, uh, let's take, use this as an opportunity to have our producer come in. Everybody loves Lauren. Let Lauren, Aww. can you come say hi? How are you? Well, when uh, you tell me everybody loves me, how can I not come in and say hi? It's very true. Everybody, like, I tell you, you must be a very friendly face for people to run into because, like, the guests always say they love, like, you know, hearing your messages before the show. They love associating with you and everything. You And I can tell you, I'm happy to see you because this whole podcast, me getting out of the comfort zone of me being an audio <laughs> podcast to a video live stream happened because of you. You made this, this visualness occur. I would have never been able to do, get out of my comfort zone on this without you. Lauren, I'm laughing, though, because right before the show, you're like, I need to figure out what to do with this ugly mic. Eh, no one's going to see me. And now we're dragging you in with yeah. us. <laughs> like the black on black is fine. It's the, no, the it looks silver good. right there. It looks very fancy and professional, I think. It's when you turn around and go, what? They're using microphones. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do we really mind seeing them? No. Now, Katie, during the break, speaking of getting out of your comfort zone, uh, I have seen you uh, join the recent class of music industry advice professionals who <laughs> found their way into TikTok, which I've loved. Like uh, uh, our friend Ma Angela Mastro Giacomo started a TikTok recently. I love seeing her stuff on my For You page. And you have been doing some cool stuff with your TikTok channel. Tell us about this uh, venture out of your comfort zone, getting into the TikTok space. Uh, how's this been for you? Is it exciting? 
I love TikTok. Yes, me too. <laughs> I always have, like, I joined it uh, at the begin, like, 20, March 2020, when pretty much all millennials joined it because, and the whole world joined it, uh, mm-hmm. if you weren't Gen Z. And immediately I was like, oh, this is so brilliant and this is going to be big. But I was just kind of messing around and, like, I didn't actually have a strategy. I was just posting random stuff, if posting at all. Finally, around like summer, I guess, 2021, I was like, I want to take this seriously. My old account was just a dud because I didn't have a focus. So I started a new account and I started posting regularly. And I had a couple of videos that got some traction and I started building. And then over the fall when I was uh, traveling, I just was figuring out what I wanted to do next in the business. I was traveling a ton. I just kind of like lost it and stopped posting. Then in December, I was like, all right. We're getting back at it. I know what I'm going to talk about. And I've been posting. There's been a couple days, but like pretty much every day, often multiple times a day. I don't know how I've been just churning out content. Like it's coming so easily to me. I'm grateful for that. But I think once you get on a roll, it becomes a lot easier. And it's been so fun to grow (laughs) and like help people. And I was getting really sick of Instagram. I kind of have like beef with Instagram. I don't love what they're doing and the changes they're making and the fact that they're trying to be someone else. But, um, I felt like nobody was engaging there anymore. And I'm someone who like needs feedback. Like I like to talk to people if you couldn't tell, like, (laughs) I I, want to know what's going on. Right. So when I post something into the ethers and then it's just like crickets, I was like, this is not fun. (laughs) And then on TikTok, people are so engaged. They are so willing to learn. And I just, I love it. It's, it's a blast and I'm really excited to grow. And I feel like I've learned a lot about the platform itself too, and how to help other artists grow on the platform. And it's been very fun. Okay. So do tell, because you're saying to me, you didn't have a strategy before and now you're going into it with one. So how are you approaching it? What kind of content are you putting out there and how are you putting it out there to get this kind of a return? Yeah. So the first thing that I really did was realize that TikTok is not for selling or promoting. And if you're an artist, you probably have this in your head of like, I need to promote my music. Mm -hmm. No, drop that. (laughs) Leave it behind. Will you promote your music? Yes, probably yes. But should that be your intention? No. And as a coach, like on Instagram, it's a lot of not like a lot of selling, like obviously I was providing a ton of value too, but there was more selling happening um, on that app just because of the way the app goes. So the first thing I did was basically be like, TikTok is like a no selling place. I've posted a total of two ever TikToks where I've promoted something and both of them have gone very well, but I do it very sparingly because it's value. Like the focus is value. So that was the first thing. Second thing was that I came up with some series ideas. So, um, and I'll actually take a step back and say that the first thing I did before that in my business was I figured out what my brand pillars are. And this is something that I teach other coaches and artists to do too, because you want to figure out what the three to five main topics that you talk about are. So for me, I'm just going to do a full mini training. Let's do it. I love it. Do it. Honest I to God, we it. can't find Rue, so let's go with the mini training. That sounds pretty cool. I'm trying to, like, keep watching you, but my brain really wants to just start taking notes. I'm like, all right, three things. Well, what are my five learn. pillars? Like, well, can I be honest with you, Katie? One of the reasons why I want to hear this is that I have been on the five-yard line 
of starting my own TikTok account forever. And I'm just waiting for the final push. And so, like, if I get, like, a little bit more information where I feel comfortable with it, I'm totally uh, just, I want to do it. So I want to learn from you. And I saw this uh, this comment that just came in, which, by the way, definitely reflects my own feeling about this. I'm always, the commenter writes, I'm always worried about posting content on TikTok as a lawyer. Same, dude. Same. I am, I am feeling that. But I've seen a lot of lawyers who are having fun on TikTok. I want to yeah. join them. So, yeah, if you want to just turn, like, the last 20 minutes of this show into a master class, I'm just here with my pad and pen, Let's man. Do well, and I there's say... a lot of lawyers and therapists and a bunch of people on there giving advice like that. Like, you can totally do it. My fear is that I'll start and pause. Like, I, I keep waiting until I know I can commit to big chunks of time yeah. instead of like, oh, well, I'll do it and see how it goes, and then I'll come back. So I, I find that I'm holding back that hardcore push until I know I can devote time. Is that a mistake? No, it's not a mistake. Okay. I mean, I'll say this. Like, I did have, like I said, a big lull, but I do think that it is important to batch work. So, all right, let's do this. We're going to do a let's crash do course. This is basically, this is like my clients too. And this is what we work on together. First thing you want to figure out is who your ideal fan is. So you, or your client, if you're a coach, who your ideal client is. So you've got to know like who it is that you're serving, um, figure out what that person looks like, like who you're reaching. And that's also going to be informed by your brand pillars. So like I said, your brand pillars are the three to five main things that you talk about. I'll give you an example of mine. I'm, I'm a coach. I talk about Branding for artists, growing an organic following on social media, mindset, taking care of your mindset, like we've talked about on the podcast. Oh, and yeah. I also talk about launching. So like whether it's launching a Patreon or launching a coaching program, I talk about uh, that. And with that, sales, selling without being sleazy. So those are like the five main <laughs> topics that I talk about. And a, there's a lot that goes into that, but you can see there's very clear overarching themes. Now, as an artist, you might not be teaching something, so you're like wondering, what does that look like? Well, I'll give you an example. Maybe you're an artist who writes a lot about uh, their mental health, struggles with anxiety. Maybe you're like a young millennial and um, you really like to just sort of like open discussion and you kind of are going through life and exploring being like a young adult and kind of like going on that journey. So your brand pillars might be something like, managing anxiety maybe it's um something is like experience or like going navigating the highs and lows of life something like that right it could be something about relationships like overcoming a breakup let's say that that's a theme that's in your upcoming album or something you talk about and write about a lot that can be a brand pillar and also know that your brand pillars can shift and change like as you evolve they will evolve as well so it's not super set in stone they shouldn't be shifting and changing all of the time, but like for, you know, for the phase that you're in, get clear on what that looks like. So once you've got your ideal fan avatar, you're clear on what that looks like. By the way, I just did a podcast episode where I talk all about this and there's a freebie. So you can just go listen to that to figure out how to figure where, out. Where, where can we listen to that? Uh, my podcast, the out to be podcast. It's like there you the, go. Uh, there we go. two weeks ago's episode, I think. Um, and then you figure out your brand pillars. And then we want to use that to inform the content that you're going to create. On TikTok specifically, something that works really well is these like series. Okay. Series? I don't know. What <laughs> is like the series? Plural of series. <laughs> series me happy. feels series wrong, is. but series also feels wrong. Might be um, Siri. <laughs> Siri. <laughs> uh, no. 
So, and you probably noticed this. Maybe, your... maybe Syrixin, like Oxen? <laughs> Syrixin. That's kind of hard to say. I don't know. If you know, please write to us. I'm almost positive it's right. <laughs> you said it's what? I said I'm almost positive I'm right. With Syrixin? Absolutely. Yeah, so you're going to pick your Syrixin, and you're going to figure it Sounds out. right, doesn't it? It doesn't sound any more wrong than the others do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So you have your set um, series. Is, is, is. Your series I. And basically, like, if you scroll on TikTok, you've probably noticed this. And some series might not be in your face as series. Like, it's not necessarily a part one, part two, part three thing. It's also maybe not necessarily even a thing where you're like, welcome back to the this series. But it's still probably a series. Like, certain creators create videos in certain ways and they often have uh specific types of videos they create so that's what i did as i said i'm gonna really hone in instead of trying to do trends and skits and voiceovers and talk to camera and this that and the other thing because like there's really a million different ways you can create dancing and pointing like i just really honed in like what am i going to do and i decided i was going to do tips so that's basically face to camera talking tips i also introduced a feedback series so i do wet people have to submit but i do wet videos that artists submit and i give them feedback here's how you can improve this video and i also do trends as it's relevant to my brand pillars when i want to um and so it's sort of building there's a couple other things that i do as well like i would say the face to camera tips and like tricks and tips is the majority of the content I do, but I got really clear on how I wanted to show up. And I kind of very quickly decided like, I don't like doing voiceovers. I don't have a voiceover voice. I don't have the patience to do skits where like this person's talking, then that person's talking. Even if there's a trend that involves two people, <laughs> it rarely makes it out there because I can't be bothered to do it. I record my videos like really, really quickly. So, but keep in mind how you like to create. Like if you like to do skits, if you like to do really aesthetically pleasing videos with voiceovers, make that your thing and come up with a series that has to do that, that has, that honors the way you like to create. And topically that is allows you to tie in your brand pillars to that. So that was kind of the basics. I got really, really clear on exactly like what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. And then I did it. And speaking to your point, Lauren, of wanting to not wanting to do it until you kind of have got a bunch of stuff. I totally get that. And I think that's a good idea. I think that recording like maybe five or so videos before you start posting will be good and will give you a head start. And oh yeah, there's one more series that I do. It's called Busting This Myth, where I reply to comments of people who who usually have very limiting beliefs and negative mindsets and are just like, <laughs> man, the music industry sucks and nobody likes music anymore. And, <laughs> or more specific things. And I bust the myth. And um, that's a reply to comment video too. So why I bring that up is because once you get going, if you create content that really directly speaks to your ideal fan, they're going to comment on it and they're going to ask questions or they're going to make comments or they're going to, you know, engage. And then you can continue to create content by either replying to that comment directly or just using what they're saying and their engagement to encourage and inspire more and more content. So it'll become easier to brainstorm and create more content once you get going. But having a backlog of stuff to get started is good to make sure that you can stay consistent.
And this is what we heard from Tony Van Veen about testing, right? So I would imagine when you start a TikTok channel, you can create different kinds of videos and then listen to the wisdom of the crowd. What is your audience interacting with? What are they enjoying? And then you can create more content that sort of caters to, you know, what they like, but you aren't going to know what they like until you actually create and actually do stuff. I want to ask you, Katie, about putting content together um, in terms of what is your production schedule look yeah. like? We had Brooke Barry on a, a few months back. Uh, she's a TikToker, and she says that she does like grouping. So she will actually do, and she does a lot of TikToks with her husband, and they'll just basically do a week's worth of videos on a Saturday back to back. She records yeah. all her stuff in one day. And then, and you know, because if she tried to like do them every day, it'd be hard to sort of stop her life every single day. So yeah. she really sets aside one day for TikTok creating. Do you do something similar or do you have a different production schedule? Yeah, it's very similar. I would probably do it over a couple days a week, but essentially what it looks like is this. And if you're just listening on the podcast, I have my phone right in front of my mouth. And I basically, anytime I have an idea, I just open up TikTok and I record a video, but I'm just talking into my phone and I'm like, okay, the, whatever the topic of the video is, I'm just saying it here just so I remember what it is. And I just like say what I'm going to say, or I just say, do a video about XYZ. And then I save it as a draft. And I do the same when I'm scrolling through my For You page. If I see a sound I want to use, I just click on the sound. I record a video of like my ceiling or my chin and <laughs> I save it as a draft. And so this way I'm not having to come up with ideas like, okay, it's Saturday, sit down create ideas instead i'm capturing ideas in the moment and sometimes it happens fast like i will wake up and be like that's a tiktok or i'll get off a client call and i have a question and i'm like that's a tiktok i have to capture it so i just create like all these itty bitty drafts basically and then when i'm on a day that i'm gonna record i get nice i stand in front of my camera and i batch record a ton of them now sometimes i do because I'm obviously posting them on days where I'm not necessarily recording. And sometimes there is a comment that I want to respond to. And I'll just like open my camera and like respond to it right away. Um, but for the majority of stuff, yes, I'm batch, batch recording. I usually take a couple days of the week to do it. Um, but I think that's the best way to go. Otherwise, you're going to constantly feel like you need to like have your face on of makeup if you want to like look nice or like be in front of your backdrop or it, it takes a while sometimes to like lead up and warm down from the recording of it. And that's like, it, that's just do it all at once. <laughs> so just try to bundle it together as much as you can. Do you have a platform of choice that you use to record? Do you just use TikTok's native yeah. video recorder? Or do you use an outside product? No, I just use TikTok. Again, I'm personally too lazy to like use any of that out. <laughs> and I'm not doing fancy stuff. Like some people, they're doing fancy editing and whatnot. I'm not. <laughs> I don't care. So it's just it's just happening through TikTok. What's been your biggest surprise from the beginning of your TikTok journey to now? Like something that really just broke what you thought was your own personal conventional wisdom about the platform and you know your myth just got busted. Oh man. That is a really good question. I think that I I was surprised at how many people like genuinely, how do I say this? There's a lot of people on the internet, but I was really pleasantly surprised at how many 
non-negative people like really quickly joined my community and like became really active in the community. Like there's a lot of people who always comment and who I always see around and that's obviously what I wanted. So it's not like, I'm like, Oh my God, how did this happen? Because of course that's what you want. But I think that it's really great to see, like sometimes I'll do videos where I'm like, do you hate social media? Well, like, let's talk about it, whatever. That's general, but an example. And I'm talking to the masses of people who do feel this way and like need support to help them work through it. But a lot of times my followers will be like, no, I feel this way. I feel great. I love it. I think there's so much potential. And I'm like, you guys freaking rule because like that is ultimately how I want my people to feel. So to be able to have them come into my community and like have this positive outlook or be making positive progress and stuff like that is, is always good. I dig that. Also people are like willing to get support, man. I got a lot of clients off of TikTok. I was so surprised of that. And I really think there's potential to monetize like big time when you build an audience. Well, and that's sort of the approach that I take to what I do as a creative, right? I'm not trying to be a podcaster who makes all of his money by podcasting. For me, yeah. the podcast, the radio show, it's it's a loss leader, right? It, it helps establish my credibility in the legal community. It I get clients through it. I make networking contacts through it. And so for me, I am excited to look at TikTok as an opportunity just to continue that. Like, I'm not trying to become uh, Charlie D'Amelio on the platform or anything like that, but I would yeah. love to get to meet the the uh, the community that would be amenable to what I'm discussing. And that's the coolest thing about TikTok, right? You're getting to meet people because, like, they're not just finding you by accident. They're finding you because they're already following independent creators, and the algorithm is pushing them in your direction. Yeah. And I'd love to get people who are already watching lawyers on TikTok or watching musicians on TikTok who then find their way to me. You, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to build an audience organically on all the other platforms like Twitter and Instagram because, as you noted, it's too saturated now. Like, yep. there's no more interaction on Twitter unless you're, like, a really powerful account. Right now, Twitter is just a whole bunch of people shouting into the void. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody's communicating. What I like about TikTok is what you said. There still seems to be some community and discussion going there, probably because it's still a fairly new platform. Like Twitter used to be a lot more interactive back in the day before it got, you know, to where it is today. And so I, I love the potential of TikTok. Well, let me let me do this. All right. We got with the time we have left. All right. Let's say I am now on like the three yard line of starting a TikTok. <laughs> you know, either either me and my personal name, maybe a TikTok for break the business. Uh, if if I was uh, if I was a client of yours, uh, how might you uh, recommend me structuring an account? You know, for a for a legal professional. I think we had another commenter who was thinking about doing lawyer talk, so you can give some advice to that person as well. <laughs> uh, this is what I get paid to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can blame the guests that didn't show up, Katie. Free? No, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> first thing, I mean. I think it's always great to whip up a couple introductory posts. So figuring out like how you want to introduce yourself to the platform. And there's a couple of different ways you can do it. Like you can tell your story or you can just say like, Hey, if you're this person, here's what I talk about, like that kind of thing. Um, but I think that uh, figuring out what your angle is like, and like I was talking about with the series is, and also with your goal, like if your goal is to get clients, you want to make sure that you're providing value by teaching or doing um, 
something, you know, telling the industry secrets, basically providing them value in some way that's going to capture their attention and make them think or make them be able to walk away having been inspired or having learned something that they can implement. If you're an artist, I'll just throw this in there just for educational purposes, but like you're not teaching something, but you are, um, you're still going to provide value and you're still going to, people are still going to connect with you. So if your goal is to make fans, you want to make sure that you're being relatable, that you're talking about topics your fans are going to relate to that of course tie into your music. Right. So thinking about that, but for you, Ryan, as someone who's like getting clients, that's what I would do and think really about what does your ideal client need to hear and start just breaking that down into bite-sized pieces. So usually what I recommend when it comes to brainstorming content is like take your brand pillars and just think of all of the random things you could say about them. Like, and it's also good to go back to past conversations you've had. Like what have recent clients asked you, asked you what have, what have been some topics that you're interested or passionate about talking about recently um, and just like make it super bite-sized. And then record a couple of them and just blast them out into the world and go from there. <laughs> like it's a little bit of messy action too. And just kind of ripping the bandaid off and doing it. And it doesn't have to be perfect at first. It'll get a lot easier to show up and to create quickly and all that stuff. But once you've got a pretty solid foundation of what you want to say, just start doing it. That's so right. I really do feel like the hardest video for me to make is going to be video number one. And I yeah. just, as, as you aptly put it, I have to rip the bandaid off. Yeah. And, and then once I do that, like the, the content will really start flowing out and things like that. I mean, I, I wonder if sort of like, I think one of the things that's sort of a hindrance for me is that like my, my own kind of day-to-day -day as a lawyer is so different than most practicing attorneys. Like, I'm not at a high-rise office downtown. I work from home. I got my dog next to me. Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, that's really weird, and it's not very lawyerly. But at the same time, maybe that's perfect for TikTok, right? It's like, The lawyer with the golden retriever. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were podcasts. saying, I really think that TikTok is... I'm just going to say it. I think it is the only place to organically grow right now. It's not the only place to grow, but the only place to organically without ads be able to reach like literally millions of people. It's the place to be. And what really works on TikTok as opposed to Instagram, which is very curated is authenticity and like vulnerability and realness and like showing up without the perfect screen and background and makeup and whatever, and just sort of saying, um, and you know, obviously you want your TikToks to be well curated and you want to provide value, but like they like people like realness. And so don't let perfectionism get in the way of putting yourself out there because part of what really works on TikTok is just being real and being yourself and also finding those interesting things. Um, one last thing I'll say about it is like, a lot of what you think might be boring about yourself is actually really interesting. So Ryan, for you, like the fact that you don't live the traditional, not saying you think this is boring about yourself, but I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you don't do like that you can work from home and that you can have your dog. And this isn't what people usually picture lawyers doing necessarily. Like that's actually a selling point. That's an interesting point that you can talk about and you can leverage and that people will find interesting uh, in terms of getting to know you, in terms of talking about like your lifestyle and what it's like to work with you and stuff like that. So even if you might think it's boring, 
like, and especially for musicians, it usually is all about music. I have to talk about how I'm in the studio. I have to talk about the mic I just got or the, you know, the freaking reverb I put on this track. <laughs> nobody cares. Literally, nobody cares about that. Nobody cares. They want to know about you. They want to know about what you write songs about and what you care about. I'm, I, this is my rant, too, because I'm so tired of seeing that kind of content. <laughs> Musician. But what if you're like a super gearhead and that is what you're interested about? Like you like talking about the mics and the guitars and the whatever. Sure, fine, fine, fine. If that's your brand and that's your interest, okay. But there's too many musicians who are making content for other musicians, but they say their goal is to make fans. If you want to make fans, if you want to grow a fan base, don't freaking post content for other musicians because who is it going to attract? <laughs> Not fans. Not Collaborators? Fans. Maybe, but again, what is your intention with yeah. the platform? So just know that. Like, listen, if you are a gearhead and you want to attract other gearheads or your ideal fan is someone who's also into that, perfect. But if not, like, maybe pick and choose your battles in terms of how <laughs> and when you're talking about it. Because you just want to, you just want to be aware. You just want to yeah. be aware. Yeah. Katie, it is so good to have you back. <laughs> I, I feel... You know, you, you've been out traveling for six months. We bring you back for the first time in 2022. And then we just make you do a whole friggin' masterclass <laughs> on the fly with no prep about uh, how to get started in TikTok. And it was wonderful. And this has been such a treat. Thank you so much, Katie. Can you tell people where to find uh, your podcast, your coaching services? I didn't do that in the beginning. My apologies. I want to give you the opportunity TikTok to do it account. now. We need and to... your TikTok account. Yeah, yes. give us all this TikTok advice. I want to so... see it. My website is katiezacardi.com and everything is linked up there. You can listen to the podcast there as well. It's also called the out to be podcast on all platforms. Works better if you search my name though. Um, and then my Instagram is at katiezacardi. My TikTok is at katie.zacardi because I couldn't get katiezacardi. So I'm a little sad about that, but you can still find me there. Go follow me there. It's popping off over there. Charlie Puth commented on a TikTok of mine not long Whoa. ago. Whoa. Like, we're living it Whoa. up. So. <laughs> Whoa. I know, uh, I uh, use that uh, as clout. <laughs> a Puth comment. I, I can't believe you're even associating with us right now. You are slumming it after getting the Puth comment. <laughs> fantastic uh I'm, I'm 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 one of your biggest fans katie and i love having you here and i love the stuff that you're doing thank you so much be sure to check out our guest next week folks kelsey nicole nelson's going to be joining us if you don't know about her i encourage you to check her out she's an amazing podcaster sports journalist uh we get to you know she really has built a really cool niche for herself as an independent sports podcaster who's worked with Fox Sports, who's worked with the Washington uh, football team, whose name I can't remember because they just changed it. I think they're like the commanders now or something. Really, really great sports broadcaster, uh, amazing uh, women's sports journalist, fantastic person. She's joining us next week, and I'm really looking forward to that discussion. So my thanks to you, Katie. Thanks to you, Lauren, for uh, producing another terrific broadcast. And thanks so much to all of the viewers and listeners who join us each week and make this show so special, whether it's on live stream, podcast, or satellite radio. Bless you all. Thank you all for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.